0: Break the Chains 2018, presented by Mike Seibert Radio in conjunction with Federal Way Coalition Against Trafficking. It will take a community effort to eliminate human trafficking. We invite you to join us. My name is Mike Seibert, and thank you for downloading this podcast. Rebuilding Hope, the Sexual Assault Center for Pierce County, offers support toward healing through advocacy and therapy for those affected by sexual assault and abuse. Through education and collaboration, Rebuilding Hope improves the community's response to sexual assault and abuse victims and challenges the behaviors and beliefs that promote sexual violence. Tasha Smith is the executive director of Rebuilding Hope and the Sex Trafficking Response and Awareness Program in Tacoma. She talks about the mission and history of those organizations and about how you can get involved, including participating in the Let's Face It Walk on April 21st and attending the Strapwa National Sex Trafficking Conference happening May 22nd through the 24th. Support, heal, educate, prevent stop sexual abuse and now Tasha Smith so let's uh, I guess just let's start at the beginning why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about uh what you do okay
1: well my name is Tasha Smith and I'm the executive director here at Rebuilding Hope which is the sexual assault center for Pierce County we've been around since the early 70s Um, It started out as rape relief back then, where a group of women um, in Tacoma decided they wanted to have crisis services for women who had been sexually assaulted. And so they pulled it together and pulled together this program called rape relief. Through the years, um, we've added uh, a therapy aspect to it. We've added education and prevention. So we're in the middle schools and high schools talking about Sex, sexual assault as well as um, sexual harassment. And mm-hmm. then also talking about um, some curriculum around bystander intervention. So okay. if you're at a party um, and you see um, one, of, one of the guys you go to school with helping a girl upstairs that is barely conscious and can barely walk, right. giving them kind of language or opportunities to intervene there mm. um, without being... Um, without saying exactly what's going on, but, you know, we go through some role plays yeah. about what you might say to intervene and, and, and make it a situation where a date rape kind of situation doesn't happen, where someone isn't yeah. able to consent. Right. Um, and so that's, that's really great. We've had some mm-hmm. amazing, um, amazing positive feedback from that. I had a high school senior once that said I didn't realize um, that if they were intoxicated to a certain level that they couldn't consent and um, felt really guilty about some of his past experiences and he was leaving for college and said that he promised he would communicate that to all the people that he met there in college and when you think about prevention like that is you know it absolutely makes you feel warm inside to know that because of this conversation and because we have the funding to be in those schools that there's a handful of young women that may not have to go through or experience that. And what we know is that a lot of sexual um, assault is happening on the college campuses. So those are the little wins that kind of make you go home and smile in the midst of all the um, kind of vicarious trauma that comes with the job and all the negative things that you hear, but it's nice to hear the positive as well. Absolutely. Um, So we also have a 24-hour crisis line um, where we have advocates that man that seven days a week. And... um, it really can be utilized for anything someone who's just experienced sexual assault can call in crisis and um, Our staff have gone through um, Almost a hundred hours if not more of training to be able to field those calls um, And so they're available for that. They're also available to communicate what resources are available in the community They'll actually physically respond to a hospital if a client is there and um, and, and having to go through a forensic exam. And so they'll be there to talk them through. Because that can be really re-traumatizing if you were just sexually assaulted. And then you're going to have a whole gynecological kind of exam yeah. take place. Sometimes they'll take pieces of your clothing for evidence. And so we'll bring clothing with us and whatever we think mm-hmm. um, an individual might need. And then we'll also make extra efforts if there's additional things that are needed. Um, and then, of course, the therapy is... Um, low to no cost so we have a very very extreme sliding fee scale where if the dollar or two dollars a session is going to be a hardship um, for a client then we'll make adjustments even down from there Um, which is really important because i think that a lot of people um think that if they experience this thing it's this horrible thing that happens that it's a great idea to stuff it away and put it in a box somewhere Um, and unfortunately with Post traumatic stress disorder and trauma, we know that, um, you know, it, it'll be revisited when we least expect it. And so, um, you know, it's really great to have services where people, even people that experience childhood sexual abuse and it's now 60 years later or 20 years later, um, will still provide those therapeutic services. We'll also provide services to secondary victims. So, a husband, a mom, A partner whatever that looks like and I think um, especially with people that um, you know their sexual assault has happened in the past Mm -hmm. um, and then they are in a relationship that's really healthy and all these different dynamics are coming into play and they're revisiting their sexual trauma and um, realizing that it's affecting their current relationship and their current intimacy and so sometimes we'll have those like a couple come in and really work through those different issues and let, let the other partner understand what this person's experiencing and how they can play a really positive role in helping overcome some of that trauma. So um, really positive in any way that you look at it. Um, and then three years ago, we um, started a program in Tacoma. The city of Tacoma mm-hmm. actually um, had a professional come in and do kind of an analysis if to see if sex trafficking was an issue here in pierce county tacoma area which is somewhat laughable for those of us that really know what's kind of going on along the i-5 corridor so it was a kind of uh duh for us but Mm -hmm. what i really love is that the city of tacoma took the time to do that um analysis and um you know what they did find was that yes we do have a big problem here in tacoma with um sex trafficking of, of minors. And so um, so they released a grant an RFP for an agency to respond to. Um, and it was to fund basically one case manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think some of the expectation of that one case manager position was to kind of respond. Um, weekends and evenings and so when we wrote um, when we responded to the RFP we said we'd love to do this Um, we don't think through a vicarious trauma lens that being available 24 hours a day is um, for one person is makes any sense at all when you're working with this high-level population of high trauma and um, experiencing stories that are really intense Um, I said but you know we can also use our 24-hour crisis line that's already in place to triage so we can have this initial where there will be someone to respond um answer the phone call and then we've also built that program to where um, they'll actually respond in person as well as long as it's a safe location we have um you know starbucks any national chain restaurant will um will respond to um to a client in crisis um, day or night so that's been really nice we've also we created a drop-in center for that population um And we have showers on site, which I think is really important. Um, Basic need uh, items, as well as um, you know, clothing that is fun and that youth would appreciate. You know, yoga pants and (laughs) tank tops and stuff, because um, you know what we know, especially about the the trafficked individuals that are being trafficked um, in a more gang environment, is that they do some some. More common to do some of the weekend warrior stuff. So, a lot of times they'll be um, high or drunk all weekend and being sold seven times a day. And then we'll return home after the weekend is over and like this really kind of strung out, um, you know, obviously somewhat of a trauma fog, if that's actually a term. I'm going to coin it trauma fog. Um, But then, you know, if they'll be in office, then we'll, you know, we'll pull the the futon into a bed and we'll give them comfy clothing and. Kind of support that that they need to recover before they can actually talk about like what what mm-hmm. their goals are, what they need. Um, so that's nice. The shower is nice, so they can be in there by themselves, and we have you know all the fun products and all of that. We also do harm reduction, which I think is a really important piece of it. Um, so what we know about this population is the second they come into our office and think about the possibility of help or support, they're not going to necessarily quit what's happening and there's a lot of trauma bonding that happens between them and the trafficker and so um, it's common that they go back it's very similar to the um, to domestic violence where it's like five to seven times before they actually leave um, the relationship and very similar with this population as well so um, in order to be a zero barrier program where we can say no matter what happens no matter how you talk to us whatever you can always come back Um, and so in order to run that type of program, we have to be able to do harm reduction pieces. So I know you're going back tonight. What can we, what kind of safety plan can we put in place that while still in the life and working, working, I use quotations, sure. um, while still being sold by your trafficker, um, what can we input or put into place to kind of help keep you safe? So whether it's um, prophylactics um, or, you know, if there's, if there's significant substance abuse, you um, addiction going on there, then we can do some syringe exchange pieces, so there's clean needles or whatever that looks mm-hmm. like, meeting them where they're at. We also have a, um, a form upstairs in the drop-in center where if um, one of our clients has a really, really negative or violent experience with a john or a buyer, mm-hmm. um, they can leave identifying information about that buyer to warn other girls off if someone got okay. very violent um, or did something Kind of horrific, which happens um, way more often than I would like to ever think about. Um, I yeah, but through the program and involving as it evolved, I want to say, um, you know, with nonprofits, you get a grant and you just start building a program. <laughs> we call it building the plane while you're flying it. And so we were doing all of that. And the first two months, we were doing a really great job of community awareness and letting people know the program was there. And then, um, and we're like, I wonder when the clients are coming wonder when we'll get that. And we were talking to our counterparts in Seattle. They're like, "That don't worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. And I'm, saying, I'm kind of getting worried about that. You know, we're halfway through the second month. I want to say at the start of the third month, we had 70 active clients under the age of 18. So oh it was very, oh, my god, wow. Oh, my gosh. We have one case manager and all this need. But we never said no. Using the crisis line was a really great way to triage. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of nice for me, too, because I've um, done a lot of really... Intense work throughout my career, and so I was able to jump back in and do some of that direct service Which mm-hmm. kind of reinvigorated my heart and what yeah. I do I mean, it's great to run an agency and to support everyone and make sure That they're doing the most effective work with our clients But it's mm-hmm. another thing to be back in it and realize what you really enjoyed about That part of the work boots on the ground part of the work, so Absolutely. That was nice, and then in the last um, Six months we got some additional funding, so we were able to add five more positions to the program which is amazing and the program has grown with those additional prog- positions. So we have mm-hmm. three additional case managers. We have um, one case manager that's specifically just working with um, the non-offending caregiver. So this is really important. So we have a mom or a dad mm-hmm. that's has this daughter that's experienced experience being trafficked and like really trying to connect them with helping the parent understand what trauma looks like what what post-traumatic stress disorder looks like Um, a lot of times with these girls it's complex ptsd which is a a really intense form Um, there's a lot of impulsivity a lot of need to like run away from situations when they get hard Um, they'll revisit the traumatic events almost like they're happening again in front of them and so really helping the parent understand and know how to work with the individual with the child or youth yeah. it's a really big thing so we're doing like a psychoeducation um, peer group with that population and also providing them with some case management because their wow. struggle is real as well I mean you know we've had just in our own community a mom that went on back page herself found her daughter asked the police to do a sting oh and then went herself and this is just you know within the last four years wow. and so um, you know, to understand that the idea as a parent that your child's being sold for sexual purposes is a very overwhelming kind of piece. And then, of course, therapy is available for both of those groups as two. and then I think, I want to say the biggest, uh, success and thing that we've accomplished within that program is we're able to add a community therapist. So this is, a therapist with, um, extensive trauma treatment experience in their, um, in their past roles and is now here working with us and what it basically we have our sit down talk therapy in the office which is great but for this population it's not necessarily every um uh, male or female sex trafficking victim that we work with says yeah i want to go into a room and talk about what's happened to me so what we created this position to kind of be a bridge into um typical therapy and so basically this this therapist, her name is Rachel, and she'll go out to the community. She'll go to a Denny's and meet with a with a client if sure. that's what they want. If a client's in crisis, um, she'll go out and um, do kind of pseudo-DBT, which is dialectical behavior. So, okay. like, helps them understand, like, what maybe started the crisis that they're in an antecedent or trigger. Sure. And then help with some, like, coping mechanisms to self-manage um, mm-hmm. and what that looks like. So, some different ways of dealing with it, but just the fact that she can go and walk and talk with them or sip and talk with mm-hmm. a, over, you know, a frappuccino, whatever, whatever, I don't drink coffee, but <laughs> I've heard people say it, um, is this really great bridge into yeah. long-term therapy. Um, and I think more than anything, just building those trusting relationships of, yeah. you know, this. We'll, I will listen to your story, I will listen to whatever you have to say without reaction, without judgment and we'll just start working on ways of you to deal with it down the road, and hopefully that will rebuild that they can go see a therapist and not necessarily be judged for um, what they've experienced. So a lot of what we do in that program is like that, like mm-hmm. rebuilding relationships with law enforcement, um, rebuilding relationships with um, health providers, because yeah. I think you know uh, a lot of our clients that I've talked to said that if they ever did go to the e- ER, that there was a sense of judgment around, Mm -hmm. you know, that this is a prostitute. Yeah. Even though it's a, yeah, 15 or 16-year-old girl um, that can't consent to selling themselves for sex. But still, it's that stigma. And so a lot of it is, you know, um, it's a bit of a restorative justice kind of idea. Welcoming them back into a community without that stigma kind of hanging over. And so... That's what, um, yeah. So that's what we um, really, really focus on, which is um, my heart and soul for sure. So I think in a nutshell, it wasn't a nutshell. It was a really long, no, that's expansive. Very good. I mean, I, I appreciate
0: that, and yeah. in fact, that's before, uh, um, you know, before we go forward, yeah. let's uh, let's go back a bit sure. because, I, you know, I I can hear uh uh the passion in your voice about this work this is very yeah. important to you and yeah. it's obviously very vital work but could you talk about your experience with that how 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 is it that this type of work speaks to you, and how do you uh, become involved in this? Uh, this because it's yeah. it's hard, and it's yeah. and it's not for everybody.
1: Yeah. Well, I think every once in a while a freak is born. No. <laughs> um, no, I think you know my dad was a, a sociologist, psychologist, and so um, you know I think I took the Myers Briggs personality identifying test at like age fourteen. I don't know. I've always I've always been interested in it. I've always mm-hmm. um, been interested in therapy and how the mind works, Um, I did my undergrad, I got a bachelor's in psychology and a bachelor's in criminal justice, and for a short period of time, and after spending the eight hours taking the LSATs to get into law school, I thought I was going into law school, and then uh, when I got accepted, I kind of had this like moment of, oh my God, I don't (laughs) want to be a lawyer, that's insane, I I just can't even imagine. and so I ended up going to my master's for um, criminal behavioral analysis was oh. my master's, which is actually therapy of the criminal mind. And uh, my first job out of grad school was um, therapy, a therapeutic group with um, death row inmates at San Quentin State Prison. So God. right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also coached their soccer team at the prison, which offset some of that. You know, and I think in being with that, you um, – I definitely just wanted to work with youth after that, because, you know, you have, you read all of their criminal files, and um, the trauma and their experiences along in their early childhood and adolescence um, has kind of led them to where they're at, and so for me it was like, start earlier, and so I started working with Mm gang-involved youth and severely emotionally um, disabled youth in San Francisco um, County, um, and then some homeless youth, and then more gang youth, and then... Ended here, so I think it's all kind of relative, and I think um, I think if you're one of those people, which we ha- you know have obviously multiple of them that work here at the agency, otherwise they wouldn't be able to. If you're one of those people that can truly shut the door of your job um, mm-hmm. and then go home and kind of leave it, um, I purposely have a little bit of commute to work every day um, just so I can do that in the morning. I can reset and yeah. come, and on the way home I can reset and go home because I have a three and a half year old, and so you kind of have to be of sound yeah. yeah. mind, decompress, decompress a, decompress bit, a yeah. little bit before you kind of engage with them. And I think it sometimes can be hard on, um, your partners. Like my husband will be like, how did your day go? And I'm like, well, it was crap. And he's like, well, tell me more. And I'm like, I wish I could, but just so you know, I'm, you know, I may not have decompressed all the way on the way home. And right. so just so you know, I might be shaking something off kind mm-hmm. of thing, but you know, no one's bulletproof. I want right. to say there's been three cases. Um, in my career that, um, you know, have left their mark and have taken, you know, a few weeks where you just randomly are, oh, I'm crying again about that. But yeah. really intense situations, and I think that, um, you know, I I would definitely sought out the right steps to kind of help me process it, but I also knew that allowed myself, because I think what, what we do sometimes in this work is, like, shut it down too much, and oh. for me, it was, like, those three particular situations were really, really, really intense. It would affect anyone, right? Sure. And so I let myself feel it, and I let myself cry it out and just be aware if it was too much or too far or what that looked like for me. But, yeah, I mean, you really do have to be able to. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, especially with the within the trafficking program and working around that, like the, the stories are, it's just not, it's things that are in these movies that you would never think would be someone's life right here at Stadium High School in Tacoma. Yeah.
0: But it is. <laughs> and and you know, for for me personally, like I'm I'm still kind of like at the beginning of this yeah. journey where I've I've gone from seeing trafficking depicted in movies, you yeah. know, it's like, you know, uh, on on one spectrum, you know, grew up watching Pretty Woman. And yeah. in, in recent time yeah. I've seen Taken and that yeah. that type of thing. So it's always been kind of like on the periphery sure. But I I'm still even now reeling that this is not only in our communities, but this is in our schools. Mm-hmm. These are our kids. Mm-hmm. It's it's just I and I'm and Quite honestly, I'm still having uh, difficulty uh, uh, reconciling that, which is yeah. why I think kind of some of the stuff that uh, uh, some of the organizations that I've become involved in, yeah. and and the 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 work that you guys are, are, are doing is uh, so vital and important, and why why I'm so eager to yeah. um, uh, share and and um, and get that out there. Um, could you speak on what? Um, I don't know, for for lack of a better term, maybe kind of how trafficking is depicted in the media, is, it is because yeah. um, I would imagine <laughs> in this type of work, you've got opinions.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, a lot of times when we're talking to people that haven't really thought about it as, like, a domestic issue, mm. you know, you hear about the taken, and it happens somewhere else, and... Oh, you know, I would never let my daughter travel overseas. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, and I've traveled the world. I used to scuba dive. I, it, it's just the kid, <laughs> the three-year-old, that keeps me from doing that as much. But you know, and been to many other countries. And I think that there's ways of keeping yourself safe and being aware of what's happening and um, all of that. Um, so I think that I think that people often like to do that, where it's not our problem; it's somewhere else. Because then they then it's not in their face, and they don't have to deal with it. Um, I. It, but I think it's also, it's not one of those things that we can say anymore where it's like not in our backyard, it's not actually happening here, or that's someone else's issue. Um, and I think that we need to talk about it more because the challenge is, is that um, these these youth, uh, both male and female, might be accessing services at, at your business no matter what you do. And I think that understanding and being able to um, to see them through the lens of them actually being the victim is so important. Um, and so so yes so that's why we're always pushing that it is happening I think the media the pretty, the pretty woman is just a non-reality I mean um, I know that there's a huge movement in the San Francisco Bay Area where um, you know sex, mo- sex workers are saying that they choose to be there and they have choice and agency in it um, and it, it brings up a lot of issues around um, people talk about legalizing and how um, look at Amsterdam and how how legalizing it has really made it safe and all these different things. But if you really look at what's going on in, um, in Amsterdam is that before it was legalized, all the sex work was like almost 100% of it was done by people from that, that community. And now that it's been legalized, it's about 20% or lower and the rest is trafficked in or brought in. So uh-huh. while it's legal, the people that are doing the sex work are not necessarily there because they choose to be. Um, there's a lot that happens. I know a lot of people have heard of Nepal and the women that are taken out of Nepal and said to, the families are told that they're um, going to be doing housework and that they'll send money back each month. But in reality, what we know is they're being sold into the sex trade. And so there's all these different things going on across the country. But what's happening in our backyard is that um, 14, 13, our youngest referral was seven. God. Um that was being sold right here in Tacoma. And I think um, in many different ways, like it can be an older man that that really pretends to be in love with the individual. We call them the Romeo pimp. Mm-hmm. And so um, we'll say, let's do that. You know, we just have to do this for a while and then we'll have this dream, this sell in the dream. Then we'll have our house and it'll be you and me. You don't have to deal with school or your parents or this and that. Um, and then, then they're in, you know? And I think what we've heard from um, traffickers or pimps in the past is that if they can get them to sell themselves once they can get them to do it a thousand times and so that first turnout um getting them to turn their first trick is the is really the key and the term is turning them out um we also have like really violent kind of gorilla pimps or the 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 pimps that are coming out of the gang environment where um there's drugs and alcohol involved sometimes a videotape um May have like four of the homies gang rape the girl, videotape it, say I'll send it to grandma if you don't get in and start doing work and putting in money. Um, and whatever that looks like, there's some that has to deal with the um, non documented individuals where it's like, um, sure. you know, I'll tell or you're here, or we brought you here, and so you earn for the next 20 years, you earn, <laughs> you earn your ticket over here type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we what we do know is. The violence is extreme and high Um, you know we've had clients where we met with them for the first time at the hospital with um, completely broken jaw and face I mean this is not um, pretty woman (laughs) in any sense but we get that a lot right Mm -hmm. and so no sense of this is but I think um, what we do know is that there's a high percentage that come from um, children's services so state dependent youth um, really high percentage of youth that have had some sort of past experience with sexual molestation or abuse um, and um, and it, and that um, can be evident like if you um, disassociate when um, a low-level boundary is crossed yeah. these um, these traffickers are really well versed I mean if you even go on Amazon right now and type in how to turn someone out or how to pimp how to pimp a girl or a multitude of different things there's at least 80 different books that will tell you exactly how to do it um uh, the traffickers have reported back that they use child development models to understand like what to say to different age groups of girls to know where they're at developmentally to get them to buy into the dream and what that looks like and then then from there it's just the trauma bonding is so intense and the fear of leaving and we get so much um, from people that well why don't they just leave like there's an open door they couldn't leave and just not understanding um, what that trauma bonding looks like or sitting there and witnessing um, one of the other girls or sister wives or whatever they call each other um, uh-huh. within each different group but watching them get whipped with a cell phone cord for 20 minutes because they talked back even in the slightest um, and so yes that fear is is a, is a cage Um, that will keep you from leaving uh, and it's horrific and I think um, and then leaving leaving that life is even harder right because you're in this kind of um, in this trauma narrative type of sense where it's like you're in this room you're expected to make a thousand dollars a day and hand it all over to to your trafficker Mm -hmm. and you don't know who's on the other end of that door and so You have to be hypervigilant as they come in, and then you're supposed to negotiate what you're supposed to do with your body with this person that you've never met before, and then you might go into disassociation because then you have to actually do this sexual act with a stranger. And, I mean, this is a trauma cycle that happens seven times a day, sometimes ten times a day, seven days a week, Um, and then you add the malnutrition or um, high levels of drug use or alcohol to to self-medicate. I mean, it's just... So the coming out, I, you know, I think that people expect that I hear a lot this word rescued, and I really have issue with rescued because it's not um, a princess um, okay. in a Disney movie. And so yeah. it's really hard, especially when you hear like male law enforcement or whoever might be involved that oh, we rescued this this girl and it's like, okay, you might have recovered, which is a language that I think they're starting to turn to, okay. which is great. Okay. But um, recovered helped, supported. Um, but I think that people think that rescued kind of mentality is we put the we put the pimp away so she'll be fine and we expect this perfect individual to just re-enter society. Yeah. And that's not the case. That much trauma um, is really hard to do. And usually there's might be there's might have been some family issues going on before sure. um, that they may have run away from to begin with mm-hmm. and whatever that looks like. and then the physical violence, um, we have a lot of, like, untreated broken bones and things like that. And so there's health issues that we have to recover over or maybe long-term STDs that went untreated that have, are now affecting fertility or many other different pieces of that. And so um, it's the long game, right? Like, we're not, welcome to our agency, you're fixed, we love you, we're going to support you, everything's going to go great. Like, it's, right. it's, a, it's a long-term support but again like um, you know these are people from our community and they deserve to continue to be in our community and so whatever we can do to help um, support whatever goals they identify really
0: Absolutely. it's a it's a process for sure yeah um, you, you had mentioned uh, Amazon and the internet mm-hmm. earlier <laughs> um, it's we're in a, a, a surprisingly interesting time yeah, yeah. um Is there anything you can or are willing to say about uh, the recent news regarding uh, Backpage? Backpage.
1: I mean, you know, I think if you talk to anyone that is actually doing the work, like it's a double-edged sword, right? Because, um, I mean, obviously it's egregious, the things that were happening with Mm -hmm. Backpage. They definitely, by stating what they won't allow in a post, was basically saying, this is what you need to make sure and say, mm-hmm. um, so you won't get caught and in trouble. Um, so, yes, I it, it's horrible, but I know that for a long time, um, you know, Backpage, when they got subpoenaed, would give the information to law enforcement, so I think it helped to have that trail, electronic trail, although with Bitcoin and... Um, Burner phones and credit cards that you can just fill that don't have a name connected to them. All these different things that it got more and more difficult to find out because really, when you're when you're looking at um, being able to charge and sentence someone for selling um, and trafficking these youth, you have to follow the money, right? Who benefits right. from this financially? Um, and so I know that that was um, a situation. I think with Backpage, with I mean, it's it's insane to pull it up and say FBI, like you can't enter it. Wonderful, I think yeah. that they benefited financially for way too long um, on these poor individuals' experience. Um, I think it's also a challenge when because um, it's not going to stop. I mean, right. the sale of of human beings for sex is definitely not just going to okay, we're done. Um, so I think it might go further underground, which could be a challenge, and like and then. Law enforcement has to kind of reset itself on um, how do we go after these traffickers in this way. Um, But by no means am I not happy that that horrific site is gone. Absolutely, 100%, and that some of the women that were trafficked by it are actually be- benefiting financially from um, some lawsuits that have taken place there. I do think that it does cause us to do a little reset, especially law enforcement and the FBI task force of, like, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. What's going to be the new thing that pops up? Um, and it will. Yeah. Um, and I think on the bigger side of things, um, something that we're really pushing for here in Pierce County is um, if you want to... Significantly affect um, the sale of minors for sex. We have to go after the Johns. It has to be on the demand side because yep. these are the doctors and lawyers and teachers and husbands and dads that are um, that are buying the sex. And if they, if we put more of the fear in them that they could get not only caught but also um, add a sex charge, sex offender charge to um, to that arrest. It's an eye opener and makes them think twice before they. By sex, um, a few years ago, a sting was done in King County, um, where they, um, really obviously, like if you if you knew if you knew how cops did things, you would think this was pretty obvious that that it was a sting. But whatever, had posted a girl on backpage. Okay, it was either backpage or Craigslist or both. Mm. I don't remember because it's been a few years. But um, saying that 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 the age of the individual was 13 and that they were um. You know, available for dates and sex and whatnot. Um, and this happened, I believe, at like 10 or 11 um, on a weekday in the middle of the week. So um, the buyers are at their agent company desks, right. Looking for sex, and within an hour, there's 152 responses. So, to to say the least, it's <laughs> there's that many buyers out there for a 13 year old in um, in King County is just unbelievable and so really the resources need because right now the things that we're doing which you know it's great it's great that we're doing um doing stuff in pierce county to to impact this but um you know we're doing where uh, people are posing as johns and um and then you know being able to recover the the youth and then through the youth find out who the trafficker is and go that direction but with the with the johns it's nice to you know it's a victimless um, sting in the fact that the law enforcement is posing to be the the youth that's being sold and so we can go after the men that are buying without um, you know without even having a victim that has to then come in and testify and oh, do okay. all of that stuff and so yeah if we want to really put a dent on it it's the demand side 100% and what's sad is that i i think that that johns are really aware that we're not doing much if not any of that here in Pierce County and so they almost absolutely know that they can come buy sex with a minor in, in Pierce County and that most likely nothing will happen and um, you know and that's what's happening on all those hotels on Hosmer right there off of the freeway so yes huge plug for that the demand side is where we really have to go because then you really can put the fear into people and hopefully affect the next time they consider buying youth
0: um so from there yeah <laughs> uh, see how i can pivot this one right <laughs> um well let's uh um let's move on and talk about um some things coming up yeah. where people in the community uh can learn more and become involved yeah. and and um uh, yeah, because there's there's uh, um, a few things coming up that, yeah. that, that we definitely want to spotlight and talk about.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're really excited. First, we just finished our first PSA public service announcement that oh. really talks about the trafficking program and just released it on our StrapWa Facebook page and then um, our Rebuilding Hope Facebook page and then both of our company websites as well, which is really great because it kind of goes through a day in the life of a case manager and shows the different things that we do here, which um, we're super proud of, and luck—we're lucky enough to have um, an up-and-coming um, film film person. I don't know what their <laughs> <Like, like laughs> a a, videographer. A, a videographer. Thank type you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, who um, you know just really wanted some more experience for his pro- portfolio, and so um, did that pro bono for us, and it turned out amazing. So I highly recommend going onto the Strapwa Facebook and checking that out. Very cool. And then um, we have our annual walk coming up called the Let's Face It Walk, and it's going to be April 21st, so I think 10 days, less than 10 days, right around the corner, wow. right it, around the it's corner, true. yeah, and so on a Saturday this year, we normally do it on a Friday, Okay. and we normally have, um, we, it's normally a walk a mile in her shoes event, so mm-hmm. businessmen from the community mm-hmm. put on high heels and walk down Pacific Avenue, so fun, so cool, Um but this year, I think we really wanted to um, focus on what was really the important stuff and kind of take away the the niche kind of piece of the high mm-hmm. heels and really talk more about the agency and what we do and what how what sexual assault really is and ending that silence and giving people an opportunity to come out and really um, walk for someone that's important to them or for you know someone that they know has experienced something like this or what that looks like and we're going to do a lot more. Um, education kind of pieces. The mayor is going to be there to speak. Um, it should be a really great event. The starting point is at the Washington State History Museum. Oh. And it's April 21st. I think between 9 and 10 is the registration, and then we go from there. Um, and um, But I think I want to say the coolest thing, and I say that while I wipe the sweat off my brow, mm-hmm. um, the coolest thing that we've done as an agency and that I've done in my career, period, is to put together this national mm-hmm. conference. Um, specifically on combating sex trafficking through a multidisciplinary team approach. And mm-hmm. so basically, we've set up this national three day conference um, to really educate prosecuting attorneys, law enforcement, um, forensic nurses, first responders as a whole, um, therapists, case managers, advocates, really anyone that's going to be working with this population. Um, we have different workshops that are specifically geared towards them. Um, we have one workshop that's specifically on forensic interviewing with a minor mm-hmm. around um, sex trafficking and um, you know what what's the best practices in the field. We have um, a few trainers coming from Portland um, DBT Institute, which is the Dialectical Behavioral Therapy Institute, which is really kind of the upcoming treatment for this population. Um, and so they're doing two 90-minute workshops, um, and then hundreds of others because we have sure. three full days, and we're trying to meet the needs of all these different um, these different professionals and members of a multidisciplinary team. Um, and so it is a labor of love. It's extremely expensive to put on a conference, and <laughs> extremely time-consuming. Right. But. Um, Truly my goal in doing this because i have been to so many conferences around the country for many years and all my different Careers is that every single workshop you go to you leave with something important You can take back to your field and don't feel like it's a wasted hour and a half. So we have put So much time into just getting the right people in front of those groups and telling and educating and giving this really important information. So I have never been so proud I think it's going to be the most informative event that's been held in a long time and it's right here in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. So to bring it home feels so good as well and it's at the Greater um, Tacoma Convention Center. It's oh, May nice. 22nd, 23rd, and 24th which we're hoping for the people that come out of state and out of country. We have some mm-hmm. people that are registered from Canada already too um, that Tacoma and Washington gives them some good weather. You're <laughs> hoping. Um, but yeah, just just so proud. It's gonna be so good. We're really hoping that this is gonna be an annual event. Um, <laughs> I just can't even think. Imagine starting ramping it up again next year. But I am so proud of it, and I really think um, the people that attend will will love every minute of it. And so I think currently we just have just a hundred more tickets left, and that's it oh, until wow. we're completely full. And so we decided to extend. Um, we have um, group a group rate, which is amazing. Basically, the group rate just covers the cost of the food for the three days, sure. and that's how much we care and want people to come to it. So we've extended the group rate for like 50 more. I think we still just have 50 more tickets, and that's if you buy five or more. Mm-hmm. It's only $150 for all three days of the conference, and that really is just covering the cost of food. So, right. um, so we have 50 more of that, and then I think you know less than 100 of the regular tickets. So yeah it's been it's been going really well but again just so cool to be able to provide bring all these really high level experts to the area to inform other people and grow the work that we're doing because ultimately everything i do as the executive director here and when i had boots on the ground and was starting up that new program is just to make sure that we do no harm first and second is to really make sure that we treat every client with dignity and respect and have an open door and zero barrier services so they can always come back. And so if we can help to kind of educate ways of doing that better in a better way um, throughout the country, then, you know, it's worth it. I, I said at the beginning of my career, I said, if I positively affect even one individual's life, then my life would be worth it. So here we are. <laughs> awesome. Yeah
0: well um at, at this point let's uh yeah. let's uh, let folks know where they can connect with rebuilding hope mm-hmm. um, you know uh, if there's any uh, uh, connection on the internet uh, website yeah. social medias um, any place to uh, yeah
1: to you know I'm in my 40s now so the social media stuff I Facebook I'm good with Twitter's a little confusing but we we're, we're there we're everywhere um <laughs> Strapwa which is um, our sex trafficking program and it's it's a stra- sex trafficking um, response and awareness program for Washington state and okay. so the facebook is just strapwa um the face the website for that program is just strapwa.org and I think the important thing there is is that on that website you can um, you can make a referral for services, so if there's a loved one that you have that you think is being trafficked or whatever, you can do a referral right on that and it comes directly to our case managers, which I think is important, and then also um, even for yourself, like refer yourself for therapy if that's something that you need, and you can register for that, um, for the conference. On that website as well as well as the Facebook page um, and then I think also on our website has um, has a complete schedule so it has all oh, the okay. workshops and the bios of the people presenting and all of that good stuff which is um, really cool to be able to see what all is coming before you go and then um, the sexual assault centers um, website is just the sexual and so um, all of our services and resources are available there as well um, but for anyone that's listening that um, maybe is currently experiencing or um, being exploited or trafficked, um, you can go onto that Facebook and um, request a friendship with um, Strap Wah, and it's a completely confidential way to get a hold of us through our messaging. And our case managers check it every minute of the day because we have a lot of clients that, um, that will contact us through that. We've had a client that contact us they were in vegas because they were on the circuit which Mm um you know taken out of state and and exploited elsewhere and was in a really sticky situation and we were able to financially help Mm -hmm. um that individual get back here so yeah the message the messaging on facebook is a really great way Mm -hmm. to if you need help or want help or just don't want help right now but think you might later then you know that's what we're here for and absolutely get a hold of us and we'll move mountains if we can yeah.
0: And if uh, uh, people like myself mm-hmm. or other folks listening that uh, want to become involved yeah. in the community or this type of work, yeah. um, what would be a good way for folks to uh, reach out on that side?
1: Yeah. So um, on both websites, there's a volunteer opportunities. Um, you know, if it's just kind of clerical office support help that you want to give, you want to give, but you don't want to necessarily go through 33 hours of training to be on the crisis line um, because we do offer a a basic sexual assault training that's a 33 hour kind of absolute have to. And then there's about 50 (laughs) hours of um, in person training after that, specific to kind of um, the caseload that you'll be managing. Um, So there's that level, and there's um, usually like a six month or year commitment if you're going to be on the crisis line and supporting um, clients just because. you know, turnover is not great, and uh, we put a lot of um, a lot of work into that training, and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of time and energy. So we like people to be here for a little bit longer. But there's always stuff around the office that can be done and helped um, out with. We do um, for all of our sex trafficking victim clients, victim survivors. Um, we have go bags, so we have like a full outfit in each. Um, sometimes depending on their situation we have um, kind of like burner phones for emergencies until they um, you know are on their feet and can get their own Mm -hmm. but it's important for them to be able to make job contacts or whatever it is that they're working on Um, and actually also um, a teddy bear kind of situation which is interesting and you think might not be age-appropriate but um, you know what we've seen um, with other programs that have been doing this work longer and um, that it's nice to have something that they can kind of transfer some energy to and have some connection with, like, especially during, um, you know, if they are, um, asked to testify or a material witness in a case and, um, are going through that whole process. And so, um, you know, they can take that or leave it, but, um, it's something that we like to do. And so there's opportunities to put together the go bags for, um, the clients when we go out to, to, um, meet them for the first time. And, see what goals they want to work on and um, how we can kind of support. Or, um, you know, the dollars and cents of it all. (laughs) You know, there's no way that um, just the funding that we receive covers everything that we do. So it's always nice um, to have donations that go specifically to a specific program if you want. Or um, maybe it's just for like clothing or, you know, people can really identify what they want that money to be spent on and, and Lord knows we'll spend it. (laughs) You know, and so there's donation um, uh, links on both of the websites as well. Um, And so, yes, we always welcome that. I think, um, you know, it's a huge issue. And I think when people think of the issue, they think Seattle or Portland. And, um, you know, we're right in the middle of that and a very active. And I think almost because of the really great work that's being done in Seattle and Portland, they're more moving out, out into the areas where yeah. it's not as kind of organized response and that sort of thing which uh, leaves us in the same situation and so um, the I-5 quarter is definitely an issue and um, I think I want to say we're we're in April now so just since July I think we've had 165 clients already so um, yeah it's an issue and get involved even if it's not with us like you know find a way to get involved maybe it's through through your church or, or something like that but um, you know we are um, one of the only agencies or um, programs in Pierce County that's doing this work and so um, every bit counts Absolutely. yeah so I think people will definitely get the gist of I think so. of what we do and how we do it and how much we care and I think Absolutely. that's the important part and I think caring without um, enabling which I think is a very fine line and um you know we as an agency have worked really hard to structure ourselves to where we're supporting and empowering but not enabling and so letting people you know pull themselves up too because you need that to continue the fight because this is not something that just kind of it's like oh i worked on it for a week so we're good Mm -hmm. um you know it's going to be an issue that people that have experienced um sex trafficking are going to deal with for a long period of time and so continuing to support them and support what they need
0: break the chains 2018 is a presentation of mike cyber radio in conjunction with federal way coalition against trafficking it will take a community effort to eliminate human trafficking we invite you to join us how can you help volunteer use your unique skills and talents to raise awareness and further the fight against human trafficking speak up Use your voice to influence and strengthen legislation. Learn. Educate yourself and share your knowledge with others. Donate. Use your resources to help prevent future cases of human trafficking. For more information, including registration for the Break the Chains of Human Trafficking 5K on May 19th, 2018, check out Federal Way CAT on Facebook or go to the website www.fwcat dot com